fate with Napoleon complex Creases in my sneakers, I be running from nonsense Trying to figure out if I could withdraw nonsense My neighborhood around me like, where your dimes at? Welcome, welcome everybody Welcome back to another episode of the Nobody's Podcast We have a special guest here with us We got my guy Duncan here How you doing buddy? I'm well man, formerly name is Jose But no one calls me that, so just happy to be here. I'm glad we made some time. Oh, it's just having on Who's my bad? <laughs> and we got we got Joe here on the side with us. What, Joe? How you doing? What's up, y'all? How y'all doing today? How you doing? Yes, sir, man. How you feeling today, buddy? You feeling good? Uh, I'm feeling good, man. It's been a interesting November, December, looking like another interesting month. Yeah. So, uh, just looking forward to getting the year over and done with and moving on to something. Uh, bigger and better than next year. So. Oh, okay, good. Cool. We we gonna we gonna talk about that in a few, man. Listen, I'm I'm really excited to have you here, man. I I remember when I first met you. It was uh, I was telling the story. I met you at a uh, Crunch Gym, and then I remember going upstairs and seeing somebody put on like six plates on each side on the squat, and I'm like, Yo, who is doing this in this gym? And you see this tall guy. He's like six foot five. I'm dragging. He's probably like six three, whatever. And then he just gets under the bar and he just like, just squat like 500 pounds, like five times. I'm like, yo, who is this man? Right. <laughs> and it was just unbelievable. I'm like, yo, man, your squat is strong. He just looks at me like, nah, bro. So on the day's work, man, yeah. uh, I'm trying, man. And ever since then, we just kicked it off, man. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, you know, I'm Jose Duncan, born okay. and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, had the opportunity to move to Queens uh, to further education and I was... Uh, as a young kid, I was a troubled kid in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. lived in Red Hook, Brooklyn, 811 Hicks to be exact. Um, and then when I was about nine years old, my dad moved me out to Richmond Hill to stay with my uh, stepmom and my stepsister. And, that was, and that's when me and my brother got the opportunity to get a better education. And uh, still troubled, but we grew up humble beginnings. Um, didn't have much, but we understood what it was like to not have. Um, and then I was able to transition in the game of football help save my life so i played that game uh for 17 years of my life and it God gave me damn. every single opportunity i ever got and uh i can't say enough how much the game of football changed, changed my life and now i'm ready to um, transition on to uh other skill sets that i think i can blossom in so and what are the other skill sets i feel like i'm a unique communicator and uh I have to find ways to communicate differently now. Uh, I'm used to communicating on the field with another, you know, hundreds of other men. Uh, used to being in a locker room, used to being uh, around teammates and what in, in a certain way. And uh, that unique leadership and communication, I think I can transition that to other areas of my life. And um, I wasn't expecting to do it this early, but after being released, uh, I thought it was the best time to, you know, make that transition. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Uh. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the college journey. What was that like? Because for me, I, I, you know, still hope to, you know, go to college and, you know, play. So what was that journey like for you? Well, you know, you know, I was able to, you know, I, I tell the story now. I was able, I was blessed to get a full scholarship to college, but um, I wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll start with my official visit. I was a you know, I was a pretty decent football player in New York City, played Erasmus Hall with a bunch of great guys who are now playing in the NFL as well. Um, and I was blessed to play amongst those guys and, and, and become a leader in high school. And I got the opportunity to go to a visit to the University of Rhode Island. 
but the night before the coach, the head coach there called and said, I only have about a half scholarship for this guy. You know, if you want to send him up, send him up. Um, so that was my only opportunity. I probably, my parents cannot afford it. A lot, a lot like a lot of African-American children in, in the city, their parents can't afford a college. So um, I headed up there for the official visit and, um, on the way up there, I remember looking up everything I needed to look up about this head coach. I went to study his life uh, from beginning to end as much as I can find because uh, I knew this is my only opportunity to get my parents out of the struggle that we were in, and it's my only opportunity to get an education. So I was able to impress the coach and, and uh, you know, go up there with a certain level of energy. And at the end of the, and at the, end of the visit, I was able to get a full scholarship and you know, this is a, it was a humbling moment, the probably best moment of my life, and it changed my life at that moment. And uh, I was able to go up there and play football. But um, college journey, I look back at it now. It was a beautiful journey. Yeah. Uh, didn't win a lot of games in college, but we was able to. I played with a great group of men, and I was able to get a great education, uh, which was which is second to none. So um, I'm modest about my journey, but mm -hmm. definitely college was a molding were molding years. And I and I think back to when I wasn't supposed to get that scholarship, so I'm extremely grateful. Oh, that's old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this is so sad. <laughs> can you can you tell us about one of your favorite uh, moments in college, or even or maybe one of your 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 best moments on field that you can say? Yeah, I mean, those are two different moments. I think my greatest moment in college on the field was in Central Michigan. Okay. Uh, we was three overtimes in and. Uh, we, was able, we were probably going to beat this team, and um, we were we we're in position to, you know, have a great upset, big in school history. Uh, unfortunately, we did not win that game, but we were in three overtimes, and um, you know, I remember making a play in second overtime to send it to third overtime, and uh, I was able to get a sack on a Central Michigan quarterback, and I ran back to the sideline, and I looked into my other defensive lineman, and I looked at him, and I and I knew this is what this is what I. This is what playing football at a high level is supposed to feel like. Those yeah. big moments where um, a lot of pressure, a lot of leverage, high leverage. Yeah, yeah. It was it, those things are special. And there's very few moments in life where you get to know that you can make a change, you can make a difference that has a big impact on a hundred other men that's waiting for someone to make a play. So that's my biggest moment on the field. And I think my biggest moment in college truly uh, was uh, my freshman year when I walked in and I realized that the slate was clean for me. And uh, we might speak a little bit about that later, just how much, how important a clean slate is for me in my life. So uh, freshman year, walking in the locker room for the first time was probably the biggest moment. That's so dope. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, what you gonna call it? Uh, goddamn, I'm so nervous right now. Dunk is not even funny. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, good, you don't understand. It's like when you have one of your, your mentors in front of you, you're trying your best, man. This is this is dope. Um, so you know, talk about that clean slate because I feel like a lot of people don't get that opportunity in their lifetime. So tell us a little bit about that and how, how much it to you. Well. The game of football has always been my identity. I mm -hmm. know a lot of us, you know, as men especially, we can, growing up, we had to attach ourselves to something to give us our identity, especially growing up in the inner city where, where we had, to, where in order to be left, people leave, uh, excuse me, people, for us to stay out of trouble, 
for people not to pick on us, people not to drag us into negative situations. We had to attach ourselves to a certain identity, mm-hmm. you know, growing up. So I did that to football. And, you know, like they said, the OGs on the block or whatever, they respected the kids who were playing sports. They said, you know what? Go home. Don't be out here. They would tell you, uh, here's some money. Go get something for yourself. They always protected the young kids who were attaching themselves to something bigger. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, growing up, I always attached myself to – to football and it saved my life and I say that it gave me somewhere to be to stay out of trouble because I'm a troublesome kid and the sad part is I was really good at it which was which was uh which was got tricky at times mm-hmm. uh, but having that identity as a football player my whole life and you know 2019 20, 2019 being the first year where I don't identify with that anymore was an identity crisis for me you know mm-hmm. I went through a lot of emotions and uh, but I decided that now I was nobody again, and I think that's the most beautiful part of life. And when we can admit that we know nothing, we're nobody, we're not doing anything, because at that moment we have to, we have a decision to make, and we can like shape things the way we want it. Mm-hmm. And I think a clean slate is important for me because I believe I can create whatever I want to create. A lot like create society, anything can be created. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something we miss growing. We miss. In society today, we think we have to stay attached to something, but I think at any point in time, we can wipe the slate clean and recreate. Yeah. You know? So I think clean slate in that sense is being able to take back control of my life. That's 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 dope. Yeah. It's almost like um, cause I, I like you said, we all have moments like that, and uh, I also want to get too far ahead, but um, and one of your projects that you're working on, you one one of the main titles was was your why. Right. So during that process. Did you have to sit down and ask yourself, okay, what is my why? And for those that are, can you explain to people out there, when you act, when you tell yourself, you ask somebody, what is your why? What are you asking them? What are you asking yourself? Right. Yeah. You're referring to my, you know, I work on my podcast and, yeah. um, and that's something I take pride in. And I think I just be, I come on, I come on in, I be authentic. I don't have a plan. I just be authentic as what's on my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your why was, you know, like I said, I went through my identity crisis in 2019. And uh, this is one of the biggest reasons I'm modest today about my journey because I did go through a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is my why was, uh, you know, became, you know, what was important to me? You know, everybody, you know, they want to do it for their mom. They want to do it for their dad. They want to, you know, get their people out of struggle. We all have a why and I respect that. But I feel like I didn't associate with any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to find out what was going to make me find purpose. Um, and I kept asking myself that, why Why am I doing the things I'm doing and why am I moving the way I'm moving? But it, the moment I really found out my why is when I decided to slow down and reflect about my whole entire life as much as I remember. And that's why I found my why. And I think we should do that today uh, as young men and women. If you're, trying, if you're struggling to find your purpose, go back. Look at the things you did innately without even thinking about. Look at all the things that you were passionate about. You'll find your why through that because uh, we don't change that much. We all, we've all we been who we always been. We just become better versions uh, as time goes on. So that's my best advice to finding your why. Find your why, people. God yeah. damn it. It's fucking dope. Man, yeah. you got anything to say? Um, I'm just soaking it in right now. This is, yeah. uh, I really like, I really like where this is going on. Um, Check the pod. So right now I'm, I'm dumbest in the room right now. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I'm really so sp- speaking of the pod, what, what's the name of your podcast, Duncan? So uh, 
<laughs> I was going to change it a few times, but the name of the podcast is Unnatural Born Leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to go with that name, and it's, I've stuck to it ever since. Why did you go with that name, if I can ask? Because um, I always felt like people referred to me as a leader, uh, especially um, growing up. But I wasn't always a positive leader. I led in very... When you have a leadership influence, you can lead in very negative ways. Um, I've led in, ineffectively before. I've had people follow me into negative situations. But I was a leader, right? Yeah. So, um, I was, you know, when I was thinking about the podcast, I'm like, anybody can lead. Not everybody wants to, not everybody can at any point in time, but everyone has the capacity to lead. And I think leadership, like anything else, is a skill that's learned. So, I wanted to just flip the script and say, you know what? There's an unnatural born leader. That means that you're not natural born leader, but you get the leadership skills can be created. And I wanted to specifically. In a world, you can lead other people and they won't respect you long term. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Would you say uh, has I hate to, I don't know, like bringing it up, but, okay. you know, would you say football has helped you with realizing that, you know, you are a leader, you know? Yeah. Um, Especially because I know in college, you know, you're dealing with grown men at that point in time. So I know some people might be like, I don't know if I could tell another man, like, you know, come on, get your shit together. But right. I'm sure that probably helped you a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what's special about leadership. Leadership is not a front seat. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of leaders will tell you leadership is a back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always struggle telling people what to do. I, I'm not really good at telling people what to do. Um, and may, some people may feel like that makes me an effective leader, but. Uh, a leader for me is just understanding the room and the environment and finding out what that environment needs and okay. knowing to provide that or how can I uh, bring that energy. And if you are in a position where people are looking for you to tell for them to te- for you to tell them what to do, knowing how to actually delegate. You know, if I was spending time with you, you uh, Kevin, what's your name, brother? Jeremy. Jeremy, if I'm spending a lot of time with you guys, I start to learn your behaviors, your patterns. I'm like, okay. We have this big vision, which leaders need to have. Mm-hmm. And how can I ask Kevin, Jeremy, to use their own skill set to bring the most out of them? Mm-hmm. Um, and not telling you what to do, but give, empowering you to do what you already want to do. So in college and playing football, it was all about just spending quality time with my teammates and then learning more about them and then leading them in a way where I just embraced them and let them become who they was going to be anyway. So... Leadership is a back seat, brother, and I think we need to continue to think about that. Leadership is leading from the back. You're a servant when you're a leader. You're not you're not the face of everything, even though you are, but you're very much a servant to the people you uh, that follow you. And at any point, do you ever get, oh, maybe just, do you ever get scared, not really get scared, but a little bit nervous that you're going to hurt someone's feelings if you're kind of honest with them on how they're acting so you're in the back seat you're observing them mm-hmm. and you realize right, he's doing that and i don't think that's good do you ever approach them and tell them what it is or do you find ways to kind of like sugarcoat it just because you know if you do tell them the truth they might you know get in their feelings and right. say certain things how do you approach someone like that you know that's a good question um well i struggle with it you know i'm, I'm a pisces i'm a, I'm a watery <laughs> person uh, but i struggle with it you know i don't like I said, I don't, not t- I don't like telling people what to do. And when I'm observing critically, some people don't like to be observed critically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I observe critically with it, with the goal to empower you. I don't want to hurt you. 
Um, so when you observe critically, you may find some patterns that you want to tell that person that they need to approve on. It's just about finding the right approach to it. And I'm still, I'm still learning that approach. I'm not a finished product and I don't want to ever be a finished product, but I'm still learning how to approach people and be transparent with them without hurting their feelings or without disempowering them. Um, there's a lot of ways to lead and I'm still learning some of those ways. That's why the podcast I mentioned, it's a journey that I'm on too. It's not like, you know, I have the results, listen to me. No, just just join me here because I'm still learning the different complexities of leadership and I'm not ready to lead again. I was I was able to do that in football, but the next uh, phase of my life, I'm not ready to lead in that yet. So. Okay. Um, are you are you currently reading any books or doing like any type of meditation or something that's helping you out on this journey? Cause I know a lot of people come to me like, yo, Kev, you got to read some books, man. You got to right. meditate. You got to do this. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. I don't know yet. But um, what are some steps that you're, you're taking right now? I'm a competitor. Okay. Excuse me. So everything originally is about getting a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So if I know my if I know my peers or someone I'm competing against is not reading, I'm going to read. Mm -hmm. Um so I would say that I do read. I'm, you know, despite what I look like, I'm a huge, huge nerd, man. Like I am into self improvement so much. So yes, I do read. I do meditate, and you know, most recently I've been thinking about which episode I put up to the uh, this morning is about um, finding time in silence. Um, I'm 25 years old. I'm very much in the millennial age where I'm very connected as everyone else is. Uh, but I'm very aware of when I'm not operating my, at my best and when I need to find that silence, I do read. Uh, so I do read self-help books. Um, I do read finance books. I do read uh, books about improving myself um, so I can become the best version of myself for other people. So, you know, as a black man, I think we got to read. I think mm -hmm. we got to read. We got to listen, read, create everything because... Um, as a society, we've been behind we've been behind the eight ball, right? And keep, you know, you want to keep something from a black person where you put it in a book, right? That saying came from somewhere, right? Because when you read books, people put real knowledge in the books. You know, people make YouTube videos, podcasts, but when they really want to tell you something authentic and true, they'll go put it in the book. And I'm telling you, as black men and women, we gotta read more because there's a lot of information in text. And I think when people put things on paper, they really feel it and they really be authenticated with it. And we can, you know, bullshit on video and things like that. But it's very different when it's in a book. Yo, that and you answered my question, too, because I'm going to be honest. I'm not a reader, but mm -hmm. like I was just about to ask you, why should I read? But you just answered everything for me. And I thought about it when people always telling me if I'm having a certain problem, write it down because that's when your thoughts really come to you. Right. And now you said they want to put something important. They put it down in the book. And, and that's. Yeah, that that's that's dope. Yeah, holy snap! It's it's real. I mean, if you if you have a crazy thought right now, and you write it down, shit, you might write a book, yeah. right? And then now that's real. You know that's real because you those these are real moments. Mm -hmm. It's just that some people take that moment and they publish it and make money. So, reading is important and writing is as important as you just referred to. So, you just mentioned that um, especially us as African Americans, we should be reading more and stuff like that are you trying to push okay i'm trying to find out the best way to put this but um you're trying to be a leader but now it sounds like you're trying to also be a leader to our people too as well right definitely yeah. especially the young age yeah young I, age and our age and up you know sorry yeah 
I would say I would say very much so, and um, you know, I've I've benefited from being all, around all types of races mm-hmm. growing up. Um, a lot of my head coaches were white, and I can tell you those men taught me a lot of freaking lessons. But as I transitioned, you know, especially in 2020, I decided, you know, as black men and women, it's, we don't need to tell people what to do. Mm-hmm. We just need to be examples of what to do. Um, so I decided to really transition my energy into being an example for young black kids. Uh, my dream, I don't really have any tangible dreams, but my dream is having a bunch of, you know, black kids, ethnic kids come up to me and send me, ask me, hey, Duncan, how'd you do it? And and being able to say, look, here's how you do it. Here's how you take care of your family. Here's how you work. Here's how you focus on your finances. Here's how you take care of your body. Here's how you love women. Here's how you appreciate being black. And that's like my dream to be able to do that every day. So I do want to help African-American people mostly, but I want to be an example because we need the most help and we deserve it. And we're the most talented out of any, any, any complexity race. And I don't want to sit here and sound like I'm a racist or anything, but I'm very much understanding from my observing that African-American people are created differently. And we have so much talent that Mm -hmm. people that, uh, society has oppressed. Right. So if you want to keep, if you want to keep something explosive from exploding, you keep it suppressed. And that's what they've been doing in the black communities for a long time. Oh my God. A very long time. Uh, um, everything is obviously like really cerebral. with you, So it's mm. like you just the way you carry yourself, you break all of the, like the athlete tropes, right? Yeah. So how, how was that for you? If we're circling around back, I guess, education, I think being a student athlete, coming up in that system what path did you follow i guess uh not career not career wise but you know like uh, what did you go to study for when when you were in school what did you go study and things like that how was that experience yeah you know (laughs) the funny thing is i've been an athlete and i've fit i've when i was an athlete i fit all the (laughs) the descriptions of athlete you know in in college i definitely did everything that college athletes do the good and the bad i don't want to go into more detail about that <laughs> but i definitely enjoyed it uh like you lot like you see on tv but um trial and error for me i learned trial and error that in order to know what you like you gotta dabble with what you don't like or you gotta dabble with things and i learned very quickly that uh i can't continue on this path as an adult but to, to speak to your point about what i studied i studied health science um I wasn't really into science, but I couldn't think of anything else that was important to me okay. in college other than my body and taking care of my health because mm-hmm. I have a lot of people in my family who's experienced health issues. So I yeah. thought, you know, let me just study health. Uh, but if I can go back, I'd probably study finance, to be honest with you, because money and being African-American needs to be a very mm-hmm. comfortable conversation yeah. going forward. Uh, but I do fit. I did fit all the athlete, you said tropes at one point. Um, but it, with time comes growth and I was able to grow out of that molded mindset. And I appreciate that time because it taught me a lot of lessons about people and how to deal with people, but I'm definitely transitioning to a new phase of my life. Like I said, everything's about a clean slate. I am who I was back then, but I, I want to be a better version of that for something else now. So, um, we all grow and I'm not perfect by no means. The health, health, the health field, right? So yeah. Like like a trainer, like like personal trainer, right? 
Yeah. Um, I study health science. Yeah. Just, just, just general health promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just going to communities and create plans and programs to mm-hmm. produce health in the community. So I think that's something I may visit another point of my life. But um, when when you were, I don't know if you are still doing that, but when you did that, did um, did it kind of almost bring back like a nostalgic feeling? I was almost being on the field because it's like you know you're with these guys, you're training them. Now you're training other people. Now you get to see like the different moods of people. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So how do you, how do you motivate that? You know, how do you go back to? So for example, I'm kind of stuttering. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So it's like when it comes to training somebody, how has I guess playing football translated to you training people? Right. How has that been for you? Um. It was a. Uh, it was different. Mm-hmm. Um. The game of football teaches you a lot of lessons, and I, like I say, I don't, I'm a, I'm comfortable now not rushing back to football, mm-hmm. simply because I use the game of football every day in my daily life. But um, training people, dealing with those different personalities, as you alluded to, mm-hmm. is huge because you understand why people are acting like they act, and you understand there's a deeper there's a deeper meaning to why people are behaving the way they're doing, and learning how to work with people, especially on their bodies, which is a sacred part of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, teaches you patience and that patience I definitely learned being in a locker room with a hundred men and just getting to know guys and spending time training with people and uh, things like that so I don't know if I'm answering your question but oh, no, you are. as a as a personal trainer I, you know I spent time as a trainer for about a year about two years now but when I was really at my height of training I told all my clients that the moment we'd agreed to do this together we're a team now and at, yeah. at that moment, everything you do affects me and everything I do affects you. And I think that was what helped my client retention. Um, just my clients know that I'm all in on them. And um, some days they didn't like it, but long term, they do appreciate it. And thank God, those some of those relationships have been able to keep me financially steady during this quarantine. So I think the relationships I learned playing football, I was able to take those skills of building relationships and take it into personal training. Mm-hmm. and build great relationships with people so i think that's important yeah that that is and it, it just sounds like in a way like you said you was being a leader then too when you're training people so i guess that that's another thing too uh you just mentioned quarantine i want to ask you something and uh how has the covid affected you has it affected you in any way what did you learn about yourself in quarantine most certainly man i don't sorry i didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, that was it, no. i mean it affected all of us and yeah. no i don't think no one's walking the earth so bad it didn't affect them yeah. um, some of us adjusted quickly some of us did not um you know it's crazy it's no one saw it coming some people saw it coming but those people who made the most money off it saw it coming right but mm-hmm. quarantine definitely made me more aware of my behavior um 2019 i spent a lot of time growing and boat molding who i wanted to be but quarantine exposed me to some of my behaviors that I thought I needed to improve. Um, I had a huge addiction to video games. Uh, I still love gaming. Um, that's been a big part of my life. Uh, but I had to. I decided to give it up, and it was hard because I gave it up. A month later, I bought a system again. I gave it up, and a month later, I bought a system again. And then that's when I finally sold it. And I was during the early stages of quarantine, I was locking my Xbox in a safe, and I was sitting there just anxious, like sweating to get it out. And it was unhealthy, man. And I know we all play games, but I had an unhealthy addiction. I would stay up all night and, you know, I'd probably miss a shower or two. Like I had an unhealthy addiction and it wasn't the game itself. It was my, it was my overwhelming, uh, 
feeling of escaping, yeah. which I had an issue with. And okay. I, I was dead right afraid of having that as something I carry on. So I decided to give up video games and, uh, you know, started writing, you know, started writing. And that's how I got to, you know, publishing a book soon. But uh, that whole journey taught me a lot about myself and learning how to take care of my body in a new way, too. I, you as a trainer also know that we had to learn how to take care of our bodies in new ways. And going through all that stuff and then eventually just feeling so connected. And then I pulled the plug on all my media uh, just because I had to, you know, I had to learn about myself. It was something that was very wrong with me that I had to expose myself to. And that was my inability to execute long term. And I think that was something that I've been paying attention to, especially the last few months. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Xbox. You said Xbox. Shout out to Xbox. Man. I, I mean, I still love the game and I think I'll get oh, back man. into it. It's just, I'm still dead right afraid of oh, escaping yeah. into Falling it. Into it. I, it's it's a powerful beast, man. I'm invested is. very much. I, feel, I, I do the same thing. I know sometimes I should be home working on my projects and then I just look at my Xbox and somehow <laughs> it turns on itself and I end up just playing it. And you don't, cold. you really don't realize how lost you get in it. Cause sometimes I'll tell myself like, yo, I'm just going to play one round or something. Mm-hmm. And one round turns to like a whole night. And I'm like, yo, what the hell did I just get done? If you're good at it, man, it's, it's, it's scary. It, it it does it get real freaking scary man um uh so ah, i forgot what i was gonna say i damn it shit there's something about quarantine holy shit um it's all good no it's not it's not good <laughs> damn it it's not this is this is what happens when you're in when you have greatness next to you you get nervous all right um so yeah to the pe- all right, so if you go on another lockdown again, is there something you could tell to the people out there right now who are probably still stuck or didn't take advantage of their first time when they were locked up? So, for example, with me, I know with being in the COVID, and like I said, I always say this all the time, my heart goes out to everyone that has lost somebody in the COVID or anything like that, but COVID made me realize all the shit that I wasn't doing and I had to get up and actually just do something. Yeah. And some people didn't have, I guess, that luxury to do it or they just were just too lazy. Right. So what is something that you can tell them now if we were to go back on this, another lockdown? Yeah, um, I hope that it's, we don't. But mm-hmm. if we do, um, I guess let me talk about the first lockdown and how mm-hmm. that will be a transition. Like, not everyone is everyone's a self-starter. Like, yeah. we got to understand, before we do anything, we got to understand how we wired. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you didn't create a six-year business plan during quarantine doesn't mean you're failing in life. It's just that mean your catalyst is something different. Um, so my advice to people going through a quarantine, even going through time where they have a lot of downtime, it just take more time to understand yourself and how you're wired because sometimes you really got to slow down to speed up. And I use this analogy like quarantine's like a rubber band, right? Mm-hmm. And before the rubber, excuse me, before the well, life is like a rubber band, right? Before the before the quarantine, we were just bouncing back and forth. You know, we're on that rubber band, we're springing forward, small, small. And then quarantine happened and it was this long pull of that rubber band. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us thought we were gonna pull back far and take off. Um, and when it didn't happen for a lot of people, people started to realize, oh, I'm not doing enough. Or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on my grind. I'm not in my bag. But I think it's important that we take that time to understand ourselves. And if maybe this quarantine's not your catalyst, maybe I don't know. Something else is your catalyst that makes you slow down and speed up. So yeah. my advice to people going through this time is just spend time understanding yourself. And if you have a business plan or something creative you want to do, 
put the groundwork into it, but it, it has to fuel you. It has to light a fire inside you. So don't just be forced to do something because everyone else is doing it. If it doesn't light a fire inside you, go learn something else about yourself because not everyone has the same catalyst. And I think that's important. Like, you know, especially beginning of quarantine, I didn't feel like this was a catalyst for me to change my life. But as I went on, I'm like, maybe I should because I got some fucking problems. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, are you, you want to say anything? Um, I'll be, I'll be feeling bad. Sorry. Sorry. Um, are you big on the short term and long term, long term goals? Cause I mean, some people would always ask me like, what's your short term goals? And I'll tell them, or some people would be like, what's it? What, where do you see yourself in five years? And some people I ask that question too. They can tell me. And some people say, I hate this question because you never know what's going to happen in the next year or so. Right. So are you big on that type of thing? So like, yeah, I'm. I hate that question. Okay. Right. I'm one of those people okay. that hate that there question, but I understand why it's an important question. I understand, and like I said, I'm not perfect. So, so someday, someday I hope to answer that question. Uh, but what I'm trying to get at is that I'm huge on delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. I don't need. I don't need you to tell me, bro, you're doing a great job right now. I just need you in ten years to be like, bro, I respect what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So, I'm all about doing small things great over and over and over. I'm small about small consistency and learning as you go. I'm a trial and error person. So when someone asks me, what's your five-year goal? I don't really know, but I know, I know, I know the, I know what I want to be doing consistently up into those five years. Mm -hmm. And I know what I want kind of, but I, the mostly I know that some of the behaviors that I want to be doing in five years, I know I want to be exercising, take care of my body, spending a lot of time understanding money and finance as I keep reiterating, um, investing. I want to be doing all these things that I'm doing now. I still want to be doing at a higher level in five years because whatever, if I, if I believe that if I'm doing these small things right for five years straight, there's no way I don't get to wherever the five year goal is. Um, but like, I'm not perfect. So having a plan is important and I'm, I'm still learning how to have a plan. It's my first year learning how to have a damn plan. So yeah, People should have five-year goals, but I don't have them, so I'm behind an eight ball. I ain't having them either. Forget <laughs> them shits. I don't need them. <laughs> Life is short, man. Life is yeah. short, so I have a plan for what I want to do today and do tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it's all revolving around doing small things mm-hmm. extremely good. So, so you're you're really good on time management with your schedule, right? You wake up early. What's what's a typical day like for you? Um, I'm not gonna tell you my day is no great day. I mean, uh. One thing I learned in quarantine, which is important, uh, that I, I'm really good at adjusting on a fly. Okay. So my day used to be five, wake up at five, work out, train my clients, do some errands, cook, uh, write my book, train more clients, read, study, study investing, finance, stock market, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that transitioned to wake up at eight, train clients, then work out, right? Then it's just all about understanding what's important to you to get done and make sure you get it done, even though if it happens at different times. But I think if you're the type of person who needs a tight schedule, a to-do list, by, by all means do that. But if you're someone who knows some of the most essential things you need to get done, it's okay to switch that schedule around. So the basic schedule for me now is from I'm 8 to 12. Yeah. 8 to 12, and I know what I need to get done, and by no means am I allowed to not get it done, but be adjustable. Mm-hmm. You know, we're young. No one should be telling us they need out, need our time. So uh, spend this time uh, learning 
the best schedule that works for you. So I'm actually happy you said that because I always thought from here, everybody, you need a tight schedule. You need this. And I'm like, I don't know if I can really commit to waking up at six in the morning right now. I'm just going to adjust and do what I got to do. Like you said, like if I'm going to, I know tomorrow I got to paint, I'm going to find time. I'm going to paint. Right. Um, and another problem that I would say I would have, and maybe you can help anyone out that have this problem. You said not everybody needs your time. Right. Right. And, my biggest problem was always being like a yes man, everybody. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, right? <laughs> and what would be your advice to someone that's a yes man? How how can they transition to just say no? Like, nah. I'm, a, I'm a yes man too. Yeah. You know, I've been a yes man most of my life. And I'm, I have still have moments where I am a yes man, especially if involving doing something with another African-American person. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big yes man on that, right? Because I really want us to be dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Now I say no quickly because uh, I realize that me saying no is because I really need to say no to you, brother. It's not because I don't want to help you or I don't want to give you any value. I just know that me saying no means that I got to take care of me because the more I say yes to you, I say no to me, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be blaming you because I didn't take care of me. And I think that's a big part is accountability. I don't ever want to blame somebody for my life. So in return, I have to be very deliberate about my time. Like I'm not, I'm going to say no first, and then you're gonna explain to me why I should say yes. Then maybe I'll say yes. But no is quick. Like I say no fast now. Even a family, no, just so I know I'm triggering. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm taking my time back. But if that person really needs me, then I'll make time for it. So it's it's a constant balancing act. Like I'm a yes man too, especially the family. So everybody does not need your time, man. And I think. When you start prioritizing your time, some people are not going to talk to you as much, uh, but you prioritize it. So there's, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So if you're going to take your time back for yourself, just know you're losing time with other people. So it's a balancing act. Oh my God, it's evil. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it ain't, ain't, ain't nothing perfect in this world. It's everything, every solution has a small problem. So, yeah. um, you talked, you spoke on the book, uh, you got a working title. How did it come about? What was the thing that clicked and made you say, hey, I'm going to, like you said, put this down in text. I want this to be out there in the world. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, my biggest struggle right now, also my biggest uh, achievement so far is being able to write this book and almost get to publish it. Um, I didn't know I was going to publish a book. I just started writing about something I was struggling with was self-disappointment. You know, I had this self-sabotaging behavior that I had to address. Mm -hmm. We all have it, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We purposely do things to hurt ourselves just so we can learn lessons quickly. Um, I have the saying that that after 25, people can't really tell us what to do. We just need trauma at that point. Uh, But the book really came about because I was just writing about self-disappointment and uh, I just started going through my life, man. I think I wrote the book for me. Uh, The first six chapters and then the next six chapters I really wrote. The next few chapters I wrote for everyone else. Um, I started reflecting on my life and decided that I wanted to put it on paper and I had something to say about it. Um, there's a lot of lessons I learned in my life that I wanted to put on paper because I thought they were vital. And uh, I went through every emotion writing this book. Um, anything you do creative, you go through every emotion, especially in today's age where it's so judgmental. Mm-hmm. I went through every emotion. I'm 25. I shouldn't be writing a book, but I am. But I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think telling the story as we go is important. And, um, you know, I'm excited for the book to come out. You know, the, the working title is The Greatest Fight Within. 
Overcoming Self-Disappointment While Living With High Expectations. Uh, I think it's a book that is a me telling my story, but every chapter is a collection of a story, a lesson, and a takeaway. Um, and I think that's something that I hope people can read, but I, I just don't. I just don't mind because the story is written and I know someone, at least one person will take some something from it. So I'm excited about the book. The publishing process has been extremely yeah, I was um, emotional um, and it's frustrating because I get frustrated when I don't, you know, things aren't coming to me. So, mm -hmm. okay. All yeah. right. All right. Thanks for asking about the book. I'm excited, man. I can't wait. So I give now that you're here. I, I know about it. I can't wait either. I want to read that. Definitely. Facts. Write a whole report on it. Like, what's up? This is what I think. Um, maybe I heard wrong. You said you're 25 and you're not supposed to be writing a book. Is what you said? Did you say that? Yeah, that's 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 the emotions I that's the emotions I deal with. Yeah. Okay. Many times. Well, why do you feel like you're not supposed to be writing a book? Because um, we live in a day and age where it's look what I did. Mm -hmm. Here's the manual. Um, and we, we we benefit from that. We have all the moguls. You got the Jay-Zs, the Diddies, all the people who've done things in different areas. Mm -hmm. And we watch their journey. And we watch, and Some people put out tutorials, things like that, or they write books on how to get something done. And we, we like to see people with exactly what we want. And it's easier to listen to them and listen to them in that way. But yeah. I felt that I didn't have the tangible things that I want out of my life but i had a wealth of knowledge man i don't know how i got it i just had a wealth of information because i listened um growing up i listened a lot that's how i was able to get in trouble and get out of trouble very quickly so like i said i've led in the wrong way but for in that way but i listened and i thought i had enough to write and i said you know fuck it man i'm gonna write this book like but i'm not supposed to be writing the book because i don't have anything that i think someone can directly learn from mm -hmm. but i wrote it anyway and that's kind of the balancing act i'm talking about like going through every emotion but still doing the shit anyway so right, to refer to your point oh man this guy's on fire ah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a balancing act man. i'm not perfect by no means yeah how do you feel like when you have these moments like you 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 have like a really broad outlook and when you have these moments where i guess you kind of balance off or dip how do you pick yourself up again for you know people that quarantine different things like that just life in general when it hits you it hits all of us how do you pick yourself up what puts you right um that's important i mean chapter 15 of my book is called i'm okay um the last chapter of the book and I was the most transparent chapter. I'm, I'm referring to it to answer your question. Yes, yes. And a lot of part of the chapter 15 was, I remember writing, even now writing this chapter, I feel like a hypocrite because I'm struggling to finish this book, right? So the whole point of saying I'm okay is, you know, when you say you fall down on your bike, right? You get up and you check yourself, you know, mm -hmm. right, shoot, all right, hey, look, Gucci, all right, buddy. I ain't scratched, I ain't bleeding, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm alive, I'm breathing, I'm okay. And I think that's important in life that we do that all the time because we gonna get hit, we gonna fall, and nobody, we hate, as black people, we hate talking about it. We hate talking about the failure that we're gonna experience. But once you can check yourself and you good, you're good. As long as you're alive, you still got a chance. And I think that's important that we think 
life that as men and women that we okay. Like it's okay to not have it figured out. It's okay to mess everything up. But as long as you good, you good. Right? So that's it's all about self awareness. Check on yourself often. Be aware of what you're doing. Uh, pay attention to your behaviors and don't think you know it all and you'll be fine. And I think that's important that we continue to remind ourselves that we good. You know, I'm not rich. I don't got that. I don't got a lot of money or my family and my mama, she's sick or my mother, she's not doing, my dad's not doing well. Things are fucked up right now, but I'm good. You know, and I think that's important to remind ourselves that we're not in the worst situation Yeah, and we can get out of it, especially as black people. So I like, yeah, that is powerful because I used to tell myself, you I don't know if this is relatable, but it's like I used to say, um, God, I'm 25. I didn't do anything that I said I was going to do. I said that when I was 21, I was going to make it at 25. I feel like now, and we always speak about this a lot here in this room, we always say, um, we always put age as like a limiting factor on a lot of things that we do. Like, oh my God, I'm about to be 27. I haven't done anything. But people don't realize like your life can start at like 33 and so on, you know? So it's actually good that you said that. And, and I feel like too, Especially us as black people, we got to understand to let our emotions be, especially men too, we got to let our emotions be heard sometimes. I feel like we're too, like, always trying to be dominant all the time and we don't know how to let somebody fight for us. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty dope that you said that. Man, Duncan, you're an icon, bro. I'm, I'm not even close, man. Um, I, I see. I, I know what you close. mean, but. Yeah. yeah. Give each other the flowers. Yeah, man. I like, do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. I'm, like I said, I'm, you 25, I'm 25. And yeah, we. I also thought that I would have it all figured out by now. But man, I've seen life in a weird way. I've lost, you know, I lost my step. I lost my mother at, in 2016. I lost my stepmom in 2019. I've seen people die in front of me. I lost my grandmother in 20, uh, 2020, right? So I've seen people literally die in front of me. And it made all the sense to me in my life. Like, Happiness is fucking small moments. Like making it is a small moment. You spend twenty years to make it, and then you make it for a year, and that's you know what I mean. So what? There's really, I do believe in having a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I have a sense of urgency in my life, but I do believe that just just chop wood every day. Just keep chopping wood. And then Will Smith said some crazy stuff a while back. He's like, yo, when you when you want to go after something, is a very lonely journey. And you just got to be okay with you. So, oh, I think we're doing fine, man. I think take accountability for your life. So, if you sh- if life is sucking for you, you can do something about it. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. whether you're 25 or 33, it doesn't matter. You can do something about it. Like, yeah. we're here to be happy. That's it. Motherfucking happy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, people that you... I, I, that you look up to, and I want to say you look up to, but certain people that you like to hear from. So, like, say you said Will Smith, you would like hearing some of his, his stuff or listen to some of his, you know, interviews. Are there certain people out there that you like to listen to? Yeah, um, I mentioned a few guys in my book. You know, everyone knows the ET hip hop preacher Eric Thompson. Mm-hmm. Thomas, if you ever look for motivation, uh, you know, Inky Johnson. Also, if you ever look for motivation, uh, and you know. Beyond those two major black icons, you, you know, got a lot, there's a lot of guys that have information and knowledge, and it's always good to listen for a nugget, right? But mm-hmm. I think back to my point about reading, I read a lot of books from different people, and uh, I can't say there's any particular group of people I look up to or listen to, but there's a 
I have a full spectrum of different kind of people I listen to, and I'm just looking for nuggets everywhere. So I think just whatever knowledge you want, look up whoever's writing it, making it, creating that knowledge, and, and start listening more. But because uh, I can't even give you a group of set of people to listen to, uh, unless you be talking about investing, then I got a few people that you definitely should listen to. So I would say, off the top of your head, give me a book I should read. Five, four, three, two. High performance habits. Um, it's a it's a white man who wrote it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. Brendan Burchard, I think, it was a well written book. High performance habits, uh, how uh, it's how successful people got that way, mm-hmm. um, and I think he talks nothing about the tangibles tangibles of success. He's interviewed a, and he's interviewed a bunch of people, um, and it cracked down to some small essential things that most successful people had. And I think that was a good book that really catapulted me into understanding what's important in life. And um, every book you remember was small nugget. And I remember this nugget of him talking about clarity, um, finding absolute clarity as to who you are and maybe what you want. And that's when everything began. And I think that's when, when I learned, like, my name is Duncan. I'm here to be an example for black men and women of how to be educated, smart, and also loving to his family. And I think when I got that clarity, it was important. So Brennan Burchard's High Performance Habits is a great book. Um, you put me on a spot. So, oh, it's, hey, um, what's up? You know, you put me on a spot. So, But I think The Greatest Fight Within will be a good book for okay. anyone to read as well. But read it out of order. Don't read chapter by chapter, I think. Uh, oh, that's that's read it out of order because it's jump to the chapter that speaks to you the most like and that. read that first like um, the and then at that point if you want to read the rest of the book that's fine too so sounds jump like to the chapter that resonates you with you the most and read that first that sounds like the bible right there mm-hmm. i like that i could definitely roll with that yeah man um jumping into this creative space transitioning from football being an athlete we all know that like there's a rush and there's like a love for the game Mm -hmm. and it gives us like you said it gives identity and purpose and it's just expression i guess now that you're on the creative side and you're getting your outputs how like how when the expression on the creative side does how would you compare it to being an athlete and that rush that you get is one greater do you look back i know you said you you're not rushing to go back but that feeling does it give you that feeling how, how can you explain that yeah um, there's a few things in life that give you that feeling man i'm mm-hmm. telling you it's like a it's like a high you want to stay in especially mm-hmm. when you hit a hit another grown man as hard as you can Mack him. <laughs> this and i keep that suppressed now i'm very um physically uh not saying violent but i like contact i do like violence in that certain way that's why i squat the way i squat and it is a certain modest nature i have to exercising like i'm dominating but i'm not it's not affecting me like i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm just here i'm I'm in the gridiron with it i'm gonna gonna just be a monster right now and i'm not even going to show you that i am but i think the feeling of playing football and now i'm doing it in creative side there's some moments you get that same high like I said, I'm a delayed gratification person. So just because you give me a lot of attention for something I do well, it kind of doesn't really get me. It doesn't, it doesn't approve me. It doesn't validate me. I'm waiting for you to respect what I do. And then the only way people respect what you do is to put consistent creative work together. And that's what I've been trying to do. And um, 
So yeah, I still get that high when I'm, you know, when I wrote the book, I get that high. Sometimes after uh, I really felt like I put it into a podcast, I get that high. And, uh, you, you know, when I'm with, around other creative people, I get a high. I'm a big team person. And even though I spend a lot of time in solitude, I do get a high when I'm, a, I'm at my best when I'm around other people who want, who creative, like dogs. So Got it. I think we all should create in some capacity. Definitely. <sighs> yeah, man. Can I ask you, what are, so for me, I don't know if, okay. Ah, I gotta stop saying. <laughs> okay. What are some things that are important to you? So for example, for me, you know, loyalty, love, you know, and trust. Uh, what are some, what are some things that are really important to you? Uh, health. Mm-hmm. Health is super important to me. Uh, relationships with people are super important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's everything right there. Relationships with people. It doesn't have to, you know, I'm an awkward, weird person. Um, and I'm not afraid to be that person around other people because it lets them be vulnerable. And now we can really learn each other. Uh, so relationships, health, um, and uh, just accountability mm-hmm. in the most positive and even not even a negative way, but just just knowing that you in control of you. And I think that's important. And I think that will segue into a lot of things. You know, if you blame no one for what happened in your life or you thank no one I'm not saying don't thank anybody but if you uh, own your life I think it's, you own your health and you own the relationships you have with people so health relationships and uh, just being accountable big man big man yeah that's dope anything um I'll be wrapping down now no not yet not yet i guess i guess uh i I could wrap it i could wrap it down a little trivia for him real quick but it's all right but i (laughs) guess i guess you said we don't have a goal and you're in this space is there i guess like an outline of what it is the path that you're on what you're going towards yeah um i know i said earlier i don't have a five-year plan but i do definitely have goals man i don't i don't want to sit here and tell um, people that I don't have goals. I do want to be a respected person in the self-developmental space. Yeah. Um, I do want to be a respected person in the health and fitness industry. I do spend a lot of time reading and understanding the industry and finding out ways I can ma- uh, maximize it and make money. Right. Um, and uh, I do long-term want to be able to run my own facility or own some type of facility um, even if it's not particularly a gym, the only Goals. facility where people can come take come take care of themselves, and I think that's been missing in quarantine, especially with a lot of the at home stuff, which I do understand. But I think having somewhere that's meant for taking care of yourself is something I definitely long term want to do. So I do have goals, man, and uh, I just don't refer to them too much because personally for me when it's too big i don't i don't do the, i don't take the right small steps so small steps for me man is that's what works for me to get you there that's what works for me got it oh okay yeah and i feel like i don't think we missed anything this is this is dope man yeah. uh so real quick just just remind everybody here where uh where we can find your podcast yeah the podcast is available on uh you know apple uh a few other places spotify uh, a lot of the listeners are on Apple, um, really getting the listenership up. So I'm happy about that. Um, you also can find it on my website, joseduckenjr.com. Um, I'm on all social media platforms as well. I just I'm not actively on them right now uh, because I'm I'm working. But uh, you can find me on all everywhere, Jose Duncan Jr. Oh man, 
yeah, Duncan. I'm sorry. No, you keep saying Jose, but I call you Duncan because yeah, I know you by Duncan. Professional name. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, listen, we we thank you so much for coming on. This is this is really amazing. I know I sound a little bit nervous or whatever, but yeah. nah, this is this is a learning experience for me. And I hope we can definitely have you on another pod because this is definitely not going to be the first or the last one. So I would definitely hope to have you on more, brother. Yeah, I appreciate and I appreciate you for just continue to do what you're doing. Um, I'm an observer. Yeah. So I observe critically without judgment. Um, and when I see somebody that carry themselves in a certain way, I do like to be around that energy. And like I said, I'm an awkward person. So the way I will insert into people's space can be awkward sometimes. It's definitely because I want to be around good energy and I, I respect what you're doing. And I continue to tell you to just do what you're doing and don't uh, keep keep your eyes out the rear view mirror, man. Just keep going forward. So I think yeah. you're doing something great here. And I appreciate you guys having me. Um, as you can see, I do like to speak, especially about growth and especially about growth yeah. of black people. Oh, this is dope. Man, ah. man, thank you for coming through. Thank this you. Year. It was very, very eye-opening. Thank you, man. You are appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you later on another episode of Nobody's Podcast. Peace. Unity, love, peace. I really don't talk too much. I really don't talk too much no more. Yeah.